Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Good morning everyone. Today we're talking about parables, so I thought I'd have a go at writing my own. So here goes. It's called the Parable of the Supermarket Shoppers. Level 4 lockdown has just been announced across the country. The supermarket is the new popular destination since all the cafes are closed. Security at the good door is just starting to sort itself out. In that first hour, eight different shoppers come and go. There's the rule bender, he comes first with his partner. They insist that they don't need to sign in or scan, and of course mask wearing is a major imposition. However, after some persuasion, they put masks on, but only over their chins. Next up, the socialites. They meet, coincidentally of course, and proceed to gossip their way through the line that is formed because of the delay caused by the security at the door, dealing with those first two shoppers. Eventually they do get into the supermarket, and then all the way around the aisles they continue with the, to have snatches of conversation. Then comes the hoarder. Well, this panicked individual has a wild look on, in their eyes. Mask firmly in place, purpose in their every stride. They load their trolley with plenty of toilet paper, flour and bread. They know they cannot possibly consume it all, but into... Their already loaded van it goes, a return shop already planned for tomorrow before management puts quotas in place. And three other shoppers come too. They keep a respectful distance and buy just what they need. One spends $80, one spends $150, and another spends $300. If you're not hard of hearing, listen up. Well, do you realize that if you are part of the crowd in Galilee in Jesus' time, then that's about all you would have got from him, with his telling of what we now call the parable of the sower. Do you realize that when he was teaching the crowd, that was his teaching? He didn't mention God. There was no scripture. He didn't even quote from the Bible. He just told a little story from everyday life. He didn't even end to add a moral at the end. And I could finish my talk there too. I'd be worried though that some little child might say, Oh, I like our preacher. He has no morals. No, I don't think that would do. But that was how Jesus taught in parable form. He didn't mention God. And he didn't quote scriptures. And there was usually no obvious moral. He just told a little everyday story and said, if you're not hard of hearing, listen. And that's all they got. It was his disciples who later said, hey, Jesus, tell us, what was all that about? Explain it to us. But to the crowd, he spoke nothing but parables, those little stories. Let's pray. Lord, we do come with expectant hearts open to your, we open your word. 
And as we study this passage today, please prepare and focus our ears to hear what you are saying. Please bless our minds to search out your truth and an understanding of your kingdom. Please, Lord, help us also to understand our place in it. As your word says, give us ears to hear so that we can listen and understand to your word. Your word. Amen. The parable of the sower. I'm just going to get my Bible out and we're going to read from Matthew 13. It would be great if you guys could read along too. So Matthew 13, verses 1 to 18, I think it is, 23, 1 to 23. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as people stood on the shore. He told many stories in, that f in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly and <clears throat> because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on tender soil, and they produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. <clears throat> His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening... Even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. For look, they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes, so they cannot, their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but they didn't see it and they longed to hear what you hear but they didn't hear it now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds 
The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have trouble or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even a hundred times as much as has been planted. Here end of the reading. <clears throat> so the first thing we need to talk about is why Jesus begins to teach in parables. No word, um, the word parable comes from the Greek word parabole, which means to throw or cast alongside. The idea being that we place an everyday story alongside a biblical or spiritual truth um, to help us see clearly and to deepen our understanding. We've probably all heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. And Jesus uses word pictures, so the parables were to reveal, but they were also to conceal. In the last few weeks, Richard has been teaching in Matthew 12, that although Jesus has proved himself to be the Messiah, he was rejected by the religious leaders and accused of being in cahoots with a demon even. Some people came seeking a cure for their ailments, others curious about this troublemaker, but not really interested in his message. Only a few sought out more understanding, and that's the same today. What, are you, what about you? Have you come to listen diligently? Are you expectantly seeking fresh revelation of God and his kingdom? So you see, the parables were to reveal, but they were also to conceal. I really encourage you to reread verses 11 to 17 in your own time and try and comprehend how blessed we are to be living at this time of history. We have access to the whole of Scripture. We know the prophecies about a Messiah have been fulfilled and many other predictions besides. Morrisville, Jesus is talking to us today too. If we choose to listen to his teachings, more understanding will be given to us. But if we turn up, tune out and don't listen expectantly, even what little understanding we have will be taken away. So how are you listening to God? Let's take a closer look at the parable of the sower. Well, I'm a farmer, but I must say, I have trouble relating to the types of soils that Jesus is describing. My paddocks are flat, square, I've got deep topsoil and very few weeds. 
and definitely no rocks. Jesus' audience 2,000 years ago could probably look around them and see examples of the stony and thorny soils he was talking about. Hillside fields crisscrossed with paths that the farmer worked from, spreading his seed by hand and harvesting. This parable is found in Matthew, Mark and Luke. It's key to understanding the other parables. Mark 14, sorry, Mark 4.13 says, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? You see, it provides a key to unlock the hidden code. The seed refers to the gospel, the word of God. The sower or the farmer is the one who dispenses the truth. There was someone in our life who was the sower, and now it's our turn. The soil is the heart, or maybe more accurately, the mind. And the birds, well, they represent the evil one. Thorns or weeds, they are the worries and things of this world. So if you come across unexpected word pictures or codes that Jesus uses later in other parables, then maybe these will help you. From our key, we can already see that this story is about a disciple of Jesus, maybe you or I, spreading the gospel, telling others about the good news. It's heard differently by four people. And let's talk about them now. First, there's the path or the wayside. This re refers to the unresponsive hearer. Also called the hard or calloused heart. In the Old Testament, they might have been called stiff-necked. These people do not want to hear and immediately turn off at any mention of Christ. Next, we have shallow, less shallow soil. That person is someone who hears and immediately responds with joy. The implication is that there is not a lot of thought. There's a wow, emotional, quick response, but there's no counting of the cost. The hidden rock bed is still there, preventing true repentance. Maybe they haven't dealt with their real issues. We look at them from the outside and think all the emotion, the tears and joy... It must be real. But verse 21 tells us it's superficial joy. It endures for a little while, but inevitably persecution and trouble and suffering arise. And when they are persecuted for believing God's word, well, they fall away. If our conversion to Christ does not come from a deep recognition of our fallen nature and a deep conviction that we need a saviour to redeem us of our fatal flaws, then we have no deep roots to sustain us through these trials. Next we have the thorny or weedy soil in verse 22. That's people that are living for the things of this world. They hear and receive the word, but don't clear the soil of all that worldly stuff that shares their heart. They want the word of God, but they don't want everything else too. Sorry, 
They want the Word of God, but they do want everything else too. That's a major problem, you see. That, every, that everything else, those distractions are indigenous to that soil. It's their natural home. So when you introduce the seed, it's a foreign element. It needs to be nurtured and cared for and cultivated. The weedy soil can't provide. There's just only so much nourishment there. If the soil is supporting all those weeds, then it isn't going to be able to support the gospel seed to survive. You've got to remember there's nothing wrong with the sower or the seed or even the seed, the soil quality. But the people are not going to be permanently saved when their heart, hearts are occupied with the things of this world. The seeds will be choked out. Well, I have to say, that's all a bit of a downer, isn't it? So far, we've seen Jesus describe three heart prob uh, problems that prevent real and permanent salvation. And we see these traits in the world, don't we? And the real worry, I think, is that we also see it in the church and sometimes even in ourselves. So how do we know if we are saved? What's the mark of salvation? Well, it says that here in this parable too. And what is it? It's fruit. And that's what it always is. We see it in this last soil time. In verse 23 now, we have very productive soil. The Lord says, good soil is out there. Good, high-yielding soil, ready and waiting for the seed we hold. When we spread God's message about the kingdom, some people will truly receive and understand, and they will produce a magnificent harvest. Friends, let's talk about this crop, this fruit, the mark of salvation. What is it? Well, it's a product. It's evidence of the divine light in our lives. If you want it simply, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, which I suspect most kids will um, listening will know by heart. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Galatians 5.22. That's true. <laughs> That's how I remember it anyway. So this fruit is a right um, attitude. But it's also right kind of deeds seen in your actions. Fruit is God producing spiritual reality in our lives. If you show me someone who is not manifesting these attributes, who has no manifestation of righteous deeds, as God counts righteousness, then I show you someone, no matter what they look like on their surface, whose faith is probably going to die out. Fruit's the issue. It's so important that in John 15 it says that if you don't bear fruit, Jesus will prune you and throw you on the burning pile. Well, that's hell for people who are fruitless. Being on the vine is not proof of salvation. You can be attached to the Jesus vine, but it is fruit that is the true mark of salvation. The true believer produces fruit. 
it isn't that you're never going to do anything wrong. It's really this, that one with truly good soil has a consuming desire to be productive, to let God produce through their lives. And when there's failure, because none of us is perfect, there's brokenness and repentance. Well, this parable also comes with a warning. We have three enemies who hinder us in listening and understanding God's word. First in verse 19, yes, it's those birds. They're the devil. And he's going to do everything he can to snatch away the seed before it's heard and penetrates the hardened heart. Second, in verse 21, is the flesh under persecution and tribulation. You see, we naturally want to be comfortable, respected, without complications in our lives. So when things get hard, as they inevitably do for each of us, it can be a real test of how deeply we hold on to our faith. Well, the third enemy in verse 22 is the world, represented in the parable as thorns or weeds. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth are a constant threat. Yeah, these are the three constant enemies of the gospel. The world, the, world, the flesh and the devil. And they will be active to prevent the receiving, nurturing and growing of the gospel message. Okay, well thank you Jesus for the lesson. And the warnings. But I have to ask, how can I practically use these lessons today? What are their implications for me? Well, firstly, it's self-examination. I think we all have to ask ourselves, what is the condition of my heart? Do I seek out spiritual truths in the gospel? Or do I turn off at the mention of Jesus? Do I have a fine weather or a Sunday faith that disappears every time trouble appears? How do you honestly think you're doing, balancing your faith with the world's demands? Well, if you don't like the answers you receive, remember that we have a God who will work in us. In Ezekiel 32, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will restore, no, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So, that is the first lesson in our parable. To look at our own life. What type of ground am I? How am I listening to God? The next lesson of this parable is that it's not the talent of the sower. You may say, oh, I want to spread the gospel, but I'm just not very good. Look, that is not the issue. You have the seed, just throw it. The issue of the, is the condition of the soil, not the talent of you and I, the sower. Some people might say, if only we could get Tuckbana or Billy Graham if he was still alive to Morrinsville. Oh, how many people we could save. But no, 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 no. It's not the talent of the sower. It's the nature of the soil. Are the people ready 
to listen and understand. And I'll tell you this. The more we throw, the more opportunity we have to hit some good soil. That's the third lesson from this parable. Many of us only throw out a seed or two every year, and yeah, it's really tough. But just keep sharing Jesus, and you'll be amazed at how much good soil is lying around. No matter how incapable we are as a sower. Oh, and then remember this. Sometimes the Lord plows up the soil that didn't receive the seed the first time. So don't give up. Hard soil, shallow soil, yes, and weedy soil, by the Lord's grace, may not always stay that way. So keep sowing that seed in that same field the Lord has given you. Over and over and over. And see if the Lord won't break up that soil for a special seed. The gospel message to germinate and to grow and to yield a crop beyond our wildest dreams. So maybe Jesus wasn't really talking about agriculture and cropping. No, I think he was actually speaking about how his kingdom can be established on earth. What was it Jesus said to the crowds? To anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Well, thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, we have received your word. We listened diligently and we understood. The precious good news has saved me and I want to protect and nurture it. Please help me to deepen my knowledge of your word in my quiet times and with fellow Christians so that I can endure the hard times which surely come. Please give your people the wisdom to live in the world but not to be distracted or overcome by it. And finally, Lord, we submit ourselves to your will. We realise that you placed us where we are for a purpose. Give us courage to sow the gospel seed abundantly, trusting you to prepare the hearts of those you choose. Amen. <laughs>